Yo, what's going on, everybody? Welcome into another episode of Till Mets Do Us Part. We are live on YouTube. We are live on Twitter or X or whatever it's called once again because everything is sorted, everything is fixed, and for the very first time ever, we are coming to you guys live courtesy of Brella Sports. We made the announcement last week. We've partnered up with John Minconi and everything that he's doing over there, and we are thrilled. You might see that the graphics look different. You might see that stuff is a little kind of not what you're used to over the last couple of years, and some more changes will be happening over the next few weeks, but it is the same show that you know and love. And with that being said, my name's John Safanaro. I'm out here in Los Angeles, California, doing what I do, which means that my co-host, Matt Ibby Ibanez, holding it down back on the East Coast in New Jersey. So, Ibby, how you feeling, man? I'm feeling pretty good, John. Thank you for asking. Pumped up to be start with Brella, finally. It's been, uh, it's been a little hectic the last couple of weeks, but I'm pumped up that we finally got everything proper and ready to go. And finally, to bring on a guest this week, which you're going to introduce in a moment, that we've probably said this person's name the most on this show, who's never been a guest on this show. 100%. But he's finally here. But he's <laughs> finally here. We've name dropped him enough. And uh, you know, we're finally gonna hit, you know, hit on the uh the proper topics that I've been trying to get incorporated into this show, like you know, Pork Girl versus Taylor Ham, as well as uh New Jersey Turnpike, uh Garden State Parkway, Tom's River, New Jersey, as well as if Central Jersey is actually a place on the Jersey map. But either way, I'm pumped up. Let's get to it. Let's get to it. Look, we got a lot of folks in the chat already. We got Yuki coming in saying, the Todd father, member of the salt and pepper. I'm a huge fan. Uh, Patty in NYC saying it's early. <laughs> yes, we're about 15 minutes early. 15 minutes early, yeah. Uh, accommodate our guests this week, um, and we, we love having them on. Um, uh, we've got uh, Keith Blacknick saying, is this guy from Tom's River, New Jersey? <laughs> yes, he is. Okay, home run derby champ. Little right. League World Series champion, right. uh, Olympic silver medalist. I mean, the list goes on and on. How many times is he a major league all-star? I don't remember exactly, but I know that he does. The one and only pride of Tom's River, New Jersey, Todd Frazier. Todd, what up, man? Let's go, baby. Salt and pepper <laughs> shake. <I'm not> <laughs> <laughs> Welcome, Todd. Appreciate it, man. Thank you so much for, for doing so much. the show and, and giving us some time. Um, of course, you know, look, now your uh, your transition, playing career in the rear view, did TV for the first time this year, one of the hosts on Foul Territory, which is an awesome show. So how is the um, the non-playing life treating you? Yeah, I mean, the people who know me now in Tom's River, they call me Mr. Mom because I'm just downright doing everything for my kids, whether it's bringing them to school or 10 20 activities that they have so yeah. yeah i'm enjoying it you know working with foul territory has been unbelievable you know with aj brzezinski and, and scotty braun and eric kratz it's been awesome my first podcast we're doing pretty cool pretty good now i'm trying to do some contracts coming up with espn and maybe yes network again Ooh, um, nice. so I'm, I'm dabbling here and there you know i'm trying to you know stay busy but also be that family man as well so it's been a good transition hopefully this weather changes as you know Mm -hmm. um it's been it's been a little cold over here yeah it, it has not been that chilly. cold out here in uh, in los angeles <laughs> a little chillier in jersey yes i i do not miss living on the east coast just for for that alone uh we'll jump into the comments really quick uh chris hamilton saying jersey in the building what up lfgm of course i'm the only representative right now who is not from new jersey but uh got a lot of respect for new jersey listen i used to my vacation when i was a little kid growing up until I was about 17 years old, 
was going down to the Jersey Shore every year. That's what we did. Yep. We were the New Yorkers that ruined it for you guys. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. We, you, you guys that came down were like, oh, man, you guys are killing our summer right now, fist pumping, <laughs> doing all this crap, trying to take our ladies when we were younger. I said, get these guys out of here, man. Yeah, no. It made, it made for fun and interesting summers. We appreciate your company. Yeah, um, listen, and I, I actually always loved going down to the Jersey Shore. I got a little uh, got a little bummed uh, when it when it stopped happening for me when I was like, you know, 16 years old. And I had to like pay my own way to go down there. I was not happy. Um, okay, I want to ask you a couple things, Todd. Obviously, we got you for about a half an hour. We're going to talk about the Mets and what's going on with them. But uh, the first thing I want to ask you about is uh, a wardrobe choice that you had on Fell Territory the other day because – you wore the split Met and Yankee hat. And I yeah. think you are in very, very, very small company of people who are allowed to do that. I think if you played Major League Baseball for both of those teams, you mm-hmm. can wear that hat. So I think you, yeah. Curtis Granderson, a few others. But I don't think there's many other people that can get away with that. And I don't think many other people should try. <laughs> no, no, I, I agree totally. I, I know the company that gave me that uh, 23 uh, was – there was some discrepancies. MLB is not happy that they put those logos up. Listen, man, this world is crazy enough and people worry about putting a logo on a hat. Yeah, I get it. But at the same time, I'm one of those guys that play for both teams. I know there's probably 60 to 80 guys in all major leagues that's done it. I could be off by a few, um, but they get to wear that. If you have a hat like that, man, you represent in New York on both sides, go right ahead, man. I mean, same thing in California. If you play for, the Padres, the Dodgers, or the Giants, they should have a triple thread, you know? So I think it's interesting. It's a very awesome hat. It's one of a kind. And um, I know Sean Pecus, he, he he's over here in New York. Uh, Jay-Z's buddy rocked it, and I saw him wear it. I said, you know what? I had to hit him up, and he let me know where to get it. And uh, one of a kind, baby. So I'll be rocking that from, <laughs> for a long time. <laughs> Ibby, uh, just from your perspective, yeah. is that like – Again, I'm pretty adamant of not wearing stuff like that or people wearing yeah. it. But I, are you, are you giving Todd the pass here? You giving him the jersey pass? On I, I'll, I'll give him the jersey pass on it mainly because as a Mets fan, I can never see myself wearing anything Yankee garb. But at the same time, I understand why he can because he did rep both places, which is going to lead me right into my question I want to throw at you before we got to other things, Todd. When it comes to – and we've heard this before. I, I know Curtis Granderson had his thoughts on it as well. Playing in front of both fans, Mets fans, Yankees fans, could you describe or could you, you know, summarize for us the difference between the types of fans between Mets and Yankees? Yeah, I, it, it, it's a good question. I, I've gotten asked this a lot, you know, who, who's better? Who do you like playing for better? I, I love both teams, if you want the truth. Um, mm-hmm. I didn't play – I played for the Mets a lot longer, of course. We know that. Two and a half, almost three years, and I played a half a year with the Yankees. When you walk into Yankee Stadium – there's this, there's this liveliness, there's this aura about, you know, you better step up today. You know, it's one of those things where, you know, what have you done for me lately attitude? And it just was something, you know, it, it pepped in you. You got a little pep in your step every day. You know, you something to, you know, something to go out there and strive for knowing, hey, I'm putting on these pinstripes. And it is, it's, it's unbelievable. It's a great feeling. You get to play with some great players and you get to see some ex-players come around, you know, like Reggie Jackson and some other guys. And you're like, Oh my God, these are, this is Mr. October, that kind of stuff. You know, when you play for the Mets, it just seems like I, I listen to me. I had such a blast playing for the Mets, but it seems like everybody was looking for something to go wrong, you know? And, and I feel like it's tough to be around that. Has it changed? Oh, of course it has. I, I think it's totally different, but you know, we had Harvey there. We had Syndergaard. We had all these guys. You know, we had 
they had the thing in the, you know, in the background, the, the big, you know, shadow, uh, you know, no, what we know, yeah, I know what you're talking about. I mean, I know it seems like when you walked into there, it's like, all right, what's going to happen now instead yeah. of worrying about baseball stuff. And that's the only difference I thought, I think the fans at, at both places, excuse me, are awesome. I yeah. think they bring some energy that you'll never see before. Uh, especially on the East coast, you got those fans, they're passionate. They're going to yell at you. And I love that shit, man. I love all about it because guess what? That's how I was raised. You know, where are you at today? Where's your head? If you're not playing yeah. hard or you're not doing your job, you know, we expect more out of you. And I think in Queens and Bronx, they want the best out of you and they just want to win a world series so bad. Um, and I, re I could respect both fan bases for that. You know what? I, I didn't expect you to say anything differently. And obviously like, you know, yeah. a couple of years ago, I interviewed you on a, a earlier version of what this show turned into be. And I interviewed you at the, at the QBC shout out to Keith Blacknick, who says so many QBC connections here. And this one was thanks to SAP. Uh, I guess, you know, you, uh, you know, being over there at the QBC a couple of years ago, but yep. even in private conversations, you and I have had, you've, you've always maintained this. This is not you, you know, yeah. for TV or for your podcast. You've always said <laughs> the same thing about, you know, playing for both teams. The, the, the last thing I want to ask you, and I, I didn't think before we talk about baseball, real baseball stuff, um, I didn't think this was going to come up, but it circulated around Twitter. And I told people that I was going to ask you about it. And that's yep. my sports bringing it up. Gary Cohen's story explained. <laughs> so some people are taking shots at the fact that you uh. had stuff to say about a story that you listen I think a lot of people don't understand the nuance of what it means mm -hmm. to be a player versus what it means to be a fan. And I think too many people, I love Gary Cohen, but I think yeah. they give him a pass for being a fan first. And they're like, well, you know, Todd's doing his job, but Gary Cohen's a fan. Well, Gary yeah. Cohen's also doing his job and he has a responsibility to not only tell it like it is, which yeah. I think we all appreciate, but also sure. I think they don't understand that sometimes he's got to go and have lunch next to you <laughs> or sit on the plane yeah. next to you. Like, you yeah. know, like, you, you gotta, you, you gotta be fair. And yeah. I, so I want, I want you to just explain it in your own sure. words because yeah. people, people no. were kind of, some people were taking you to task. No. Yeah. And that's, listen, I've, I've had some spats out with some people about Gary and the whole staff there. Listen, I think they're unbelievable. Let me get that off my chest. I think they're very good announcers. They've been doing it for years. I respect them, and I know they respect me as well. It was an ongoing thing. It just felt, you know, felt like they were just, you know, they were getting on us a little too much. You know, they're bashing us here, bashing us there a little bit. And I know. And I said, Gary, I said, listen, you're a Mets fan. He goes, yeah. I said, how long? He said, I've been a Mets fan for 30 years. I'm like, hey, listen, we'll start, you know, getting on board with this a little bit here. You know, there was nothing malicious. We weren't, I wasn't trying to attack the guy, but. You hear from everybody else and the players are like, man, this guy, he just doesn't stop. And listen, he has a job to do. I get it. Yeah. But me, I'm going to go up to you and ask you, you know, well, let me, let's talk a little bit. Why, why do you feel this way? What's yeah. going on? And there's no fighting. And I, you know, how people get online, they can say whatever they want. They, they got yeah. the muscles, whatever, but yeah. it really wasn't that big of a deal. It was just something that got brought up in conversation on foul territory. I, I made my claim to him. I said, listen, let's start being, Let's start rooting for our team here a little bit, brother. We're on the same boat as you. And he said, you know what? You're right. Let's go. And then that's basically what it was. I think I think they get put on a pedestal a little bit too high sometimes, though, with these Mets fans. And I'll probably get heat for saying that, but yeah. they do. If you love somebody, be passionate about them. But understand, you know, listen, we're all human here, too, as well. That's it. Yeah, listen, I, I as a viewer, yeah. as a fan, I don't think there's a better booth you know, in baseball right now doing TV Agreed. than the three of those guys. I think they're excellent. I think it's funny. Yeah. I think they 
are uh, critical when they need to be. I think they're supportive when they need to be. But like I said, they do need to respect, I think, the boundary sometimes. Yeah, and I yeah, think course, if you feel as a player that a boundary is being broken, mm-hmm. I think you have every right to walk over and just say, yeah. hey, you know, we're, we're human beings too. Yeah. <laughs> and totally I, I, have, I have, he has his opinions just like I do. And guess what? I'm trying yeah. to do a job and so is he. But at the same time, you know, where are you at right now, dude? Like, hey, listen, yeah. we're trying our best here. And, you know, yeah. not only are we struggling, but you're knocking us down. And now the fans are like, yeah, Gary's right. This and that. Well, he's not always right. So that's yeah. what I was just trying to get across. And it is what it is, bro. And that's life yeah. life in the fast lane. And guess what? We moved on. <laughs> we kept playing. And, um, you know, Gary and I are fine. And then I, that's what I, I need people to understand. Yeah. Don't crush me. Oh, God, you were only here for two and a half years. You shouldn't say anything. Well, guess what? I did. It is what it is. <laughs> you know? Guess what I did. Yeah. Um, a couple, uh, couple comments here. Keith saying, if you guys are wrestling fans, you'll, you'll get the reference here, saying Gary can work himself into a shoot too much. And I, I think that's fair. I think sometimes, yeah. you know, um, yeah. Yuki saying, I like Gary Cohen, but I don't mind a foul ball in the booth to enforce street justice. <laughs> good one, good one, good one. Which is, which uh, is hilarious. But uh, yeah, look, um, you know, I, I, I don't mind it. I didn't think from the story that you told no. when I watched the clip, I, mean, I didn't exactly. see anything wrong with it. I think anybody who's doing that is just different defending Gary blindly. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, yeah. and we had a lot of teammates that, you know, came up to me and that were there that it was basically in the locker room and they said, Frazier, we appreciate it. You know, it's just something these play, they got to play. We got to have thick skin. I get it. hundred percent where I'm from. I do have thick skin. I was helping our players out. I was helping everybody out. And at the end of the day, could I have not said nothing? Yeah. Maybe if I didn't say nothing, it would, it would have been the same thing, but guess what? I got it off my chest and everybody else was like, you know, dude, we appreciate what you did. And we moved on though. That was it. Now it was, it was that simple. Saw Gary the next day. Cool. Nice to see you brother. How's everything? Boom. We moved on. And and you know what? No, let me finish. So, (laughs) and this, this isn't just one time deal. Like this happens in a lot of clubhouses. Like this isn't just, Oh, Todd trying to open his big mouth. This happens all over the place. People get confront each other. And nine times out of a ten, they're good the next day. So it's it's yeah. it's good it's good stuff to have because the respect factor. Yeah. The one thing I I'll say. Go yeah, I just want to real, real quick, John. Uh, the one thing I want to say is like I never I didn't understand why Todd was getting so much heat on this today after this clip, mainly because the way the clip ends and the segment ends is how it is explained that the two of us had a conversation. It was yep. two men talking. We said our piece. He said mine. I said it whatever and yeah. respect this head at the like I, I i i was literally talking with a handful of other people that watched the show other mets fans before we even came on here saying I, unless i'm missing yeah. something here i do yeah. not see why the hell people are getting so bent out of shape over this you said the yeah. piece he said his you squashed it you moved on that's it simple hey they they hold gary up behind man that, that's their guy over there in Queens, I, I, I love so, gary i do but yeah. still at the same I'm time the same they're way. still same you know way. Same way. So <laughs> we got <laughs> we got Carson in the comments. Let him finish, John. Jesus, Evan Christ. So <laughs> <laughs> and I wasn't being I wasn't being rude. It came off a little rude. That's all. I'm sorry. I came off. That's still good. Stuff. That's still good. It is all good, man. I'm just, I'm just messing around. And I think yeah. the last, this question, um, <clears throat> kind of ties into what I was going to say. CP saying, how much from a ball player's perspective does that outside noise on social media and whatnot 
actually affect the mindset over course of 162? I'm curious. And yeah. before I, I pose it to you as a question, I, I think that that's the one thing that some fans lose sight of. I've been fortunate. I've been in a couple of clubhouses. I've had the, the, the privilege with Ibby to interview people like you. It's just different being a fan versus being a player. You guys have the passion, but it's different. And you have to yeah. drown out the noise because you've got to go there the next day and, and work. You can't worry about going 0 for 4 because you've yeah. got to do it again tomorrow. So, yeah. you know, I think some fans, they're like, I want Todd Frazier to feel exactly like how I feel. He's not going to because he's at work. <laughs> yeah. No, and, yeah. and I think at the end of the day, um, if baseball players say, I mean, I'm not in the social media, I don't even look at it, they'd be lying to you because most of them are on that thing looking left and right, seeing what people say or even writing what they want to write. And guess what? That's part of life too as well. They might not like some comments. People are allowed to write whatever they want. You can write whatever you want, just nothing serious um, to the point where you got to get you know people involved. But yeah, if you have an opinion, that's what this is for. And guess what? I might not like it. You might not like what people say about you. And same goes as you. That's just the way the world is. When you get on that computer, you know what? Them sticky fingers, you can write whatever the heck you want. And let, most of the time I laugh it off because nine times out of ten, it's that guy in the basement that's just, you know, wants your team to do good. And he's got to take it out on somebody. Might as well take yeah. it out on me. Yeah. Yeah, you know what? You are thick-skinned enough to handle it. You know. <laughs> um, all right, let's let's talk. We we don't have you for that much longer, so let's talk about the Mets. Let's talk about what's been going on with them. Um, mm -hmm. Your overall opinion of their strategy going into this season? Obviously, they got a new person running point. You know, David Stearns just got here. He's got a track record of success. Every Mets fan in the world wanted him. I think Ibby thinks you got to let the guy work, and if it leads mm -hmm. to a work. little bit of offseason than you're not used to in the Steve Cohen era, it doesn't mean that it's bad. Plus, he's got a lot to clean up. Well, yeah. Well, you think about what Steve said. He's like, oh, we're not trying to win uh, in 2024. I, I I respectfully disagree with what he said because he's, he's made some moves. You know, he went out and did get some guys. And I think if by chance he did get like a Yamamoto or a guy of that stature, um, if that happened at the end of the day, then your mindset would have to change. You know, I think picking up a guy like Sean Manea and Luis Severino are two really good pickups there, left-hander and a right-hander. I think Luis is due for a big season. He came off and struggled a lot with the Yankees at the end there. I think a change of scenery, even though maybe not New York would have been a good change of scenery because it's right down the street. But I think a different team, a team that's looking to come back and get dominant er, and be dominant again, um, I think they're going to be pretty good. I, I think... Let David do his job. It's one of those things where let him make some moves. See what see what he does. He's got an awesome track record, like you said. And you know you got Kodai Sanger coming back. You guys an absolute beast. So starting with him uh, and moving forward, I think they'll be just fine. You you got to see Severino, um, you know, in preparation for the, the Yankee games that you were doing on TV. And Ibby and I talked to two former ball players, one hitter, one pitcher, that said, and I quote. There is no way that that guy was not tipping pitches because you don't get roughed up to the tune of 665 no, with the max velocity that, that he still has and the break and everything that he has. Do you think yeah. there's validity to that? I agree. I agree. He, he's, he throws a heavy fastball. He's a guy that has a good enough slider that plays real well in the major leagues. Um yeah, I think something was going on. And I think that if, once they do fix it, I think he's just going to be, he's going to be just fine if he stays healthy. 
Um, you know, I, I remember watching him when we we're playing. I was with the Yankees. He, he was a starter against the Twins in the playoff in the playing game, and he got absolutely rocked. And for some reason, they I think they said something was along those lines, and he came back and did well after that. But yeah, there's something going on, and you know, you don't want that playing with your head. You know, come spring training time, you want to tinker with a few things, and then all of a sudden, you know what? If not, if it's not working, just go out there and pitch. And I and I think. For him, this is going to be a monster year for him. And, you know, he's got to come back because, you know, no telling what could happen if he struggles again. Yeah, listen, do you think you you can – you think I know you're not a pitcher and you you really never have been, but do you think you can fix tipping if if he has an issue that goes all the way back to when you were his teammate that, like, crops up every once in a while? Can that be fixed? Yeah, without a doubt. It just depends on what it is. You know, I – some guys, they have their finger outside the glove and it would wiggle before they threw a fastball and then it would stay still on a curveball. Or a guy, he, his, his hands would Smallest move here and things. then it would stay still. There's little things. All yeah. right, start your hands here. You know, start it lower. Whatever it is, um, it's very easyable, easy to fix it, but it's also easy to go back down that road again when you're not doing so well. So it's a chess match, and I tell everybody, not only if you know what pitch is coming, not only are you going to hit it, but you're going to hit it hard. Whether you're going to get a hit or not, most likely you're going to find a way to get a hit, but you're going to hit it hard. When you hit a baseball hard, good things do happen. I'll jump back into the comments here. Everybody who's watching, you're watching Till Mets do us part. Live on YouTube, live on Twitter and X. John Sapinero, Matt Ibi Ibanez, our guest this week, the one and only Todd Frazier. And uh, Carson bringing this up. I don't know if this is true, Todd. Maybe you can confirm. Todd is two for five lifetime against John Manaya. I'll take it. I'll take it all day. Every day I'll take That's that every day. That's of the good. Week. I, I did That's like good. facing left-handed hitters, so. That was my that was my bread and butter. If I wasn't in there facing a lefty, I wasn't too happy that day. <laughs> For sure. Um, good stuff. So we got we got Pete Alonzo, somebody yeah. that you know. I asked you, I've asked you about Pete Alonzo before, but there's this question right now with Pete, which is, should the Mets go get a quote unquote real DH? Right? You've got Vientos, you've got some in-house options, spread the DH around. Ibby and I were very pro Justin Turner. We had Terry Collins on a couple weeks ago. Yeah. He was like, I want Justin Turner. I'll sign up for it any day. Um, there's still a couple guys out there, J.D. Martinez, Jorge Soler. I, I think that even if you're trying to give the youth the opportunity to play, and I think you should, and I think the Mets are in a good place to do that, I just think you need to protect Pete Alonso with somebody who has a track record. I think Alvarez can do it, but I don't think Alvarez should have to do it right out of the gate yeah. in his second year. Yeah. So I would like to see them, Ibby would like to see them bring in a DH, somebody who can, you know, has a track record of doing it. Do you do you think that makes sense? Or do you think, hey, you know what, roll with the guys you got? No, I think that 100% makes sense. Um, it's one of those things. Now, if you don't have somebody protecting him, you go to an Alvarez or a, a Harrison Bader or, you know, a Beatty, just to name a few guys. It just depends, honestly, because he's not going to get many pitches to hit. Will he get his home runs? Yeah, he's going to run into a couple. But if you bring a guy in like Soler, I think Soler will be a monster pickup for them. He can bat right behind him, a guy who hits for power. He hits for, you know, gap-to-gap baseball player. And he's a guy that is feared by a lot of pitchers. So to have a guy like that to back up Pete and, you know, give somebody a day off here and play in the field and let them DH – I think that would be solid for the Mets to do a pickup like that. J.D. Martinez would be another guy, too, as well. Solid dude's been doing it for years. 
but I, my first pick would be Solaire. The guy's the guy's been known to mash the ball, and he's done it for the Marlins for a long time now. So he's a guy that I would definitely look into. Well, you know, the options of yes. you are getting thin because Turner's yes. off the board, and you know, now we're well, we're down to just a few. I feel like I've been dominating the questions here for for nah. time you go off. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, the, the the one thing I did want to make sure I got in here, uh, as a third baseman, Todd, um, obviously the Mets have had issues at third base for a little bit now, and there's a lot of question marks coming into this season when it comes to the likes of Mark Vientos, Brett Beatty, uh, people like uh, Joey Wendell potentially filling in at certain spots as well for defense, uh, just in general, and the reason why I, and I'm sure John is on board with this as well, why we like Justin Turner so much was for that veteran presence, even though he probably wouldn't have been playing third base that much, just to have that there to encourage a player. For you, do you think that that helped? I mean, thinking back to you and your playing days, maybe back at Cincinnati, I think you were there when Scott Rowland was just finishing yeah. up as well. Uh, is, is having a veteran there in that sense helpful to a player as opposed to, especially here in New York, throwing these guys out there basically saying sink or swim? Yeah, it, it was good the first year, but then I'm like, dude, when the heck are you going to retire, man? I'm going to get this position. <laughs> um, you know, just being funny, but at the same yeah. time, you got two guys that have a chance to be studs, honestly. Both of them are pretty good baseball players. Um, Beatty's got some good size. They both can hit the ball. And this spring training is going to be huge for these guys. So who who who's going to step up? You know, it, it's one mm -hmm. of those things where now the challenge is accepted on both sides. Shit, man, I I didn't take off with this job. Now, no, I didn't either. It's mm -hmm. gonna be a battle, and and I think that's the biggest thing moving forward here. Who wants to step up, and who wants to be the third baseman for years to come? Because you know what, both these guys have been chomping at the bits to be starters, and you know it might come down to their bat. And I think that's what it is. Let me ask you guys, who do you think should be a third baseman? John, God, John um... you want to go first? <laughs> Yeah, Ronnie. I'm just, I I'm wish just it was. You don't have to go in depth. I'm just curious if you had to pick today, who would you take? I, I wish it was Ronnie Mauricio. I thought he was yeah. the most talented of all three Agreed. guys in terms of an everyday player. Yeah. Um, after that, I I think it has to be Beatty by default because I don't think that Vientos is a major league third baseman every day. I think you can okay. put him out there. I think you're going to have to switch him out in the seventh inning or later in a close game. To me, Vientos is a DH backup first baseman kind of player. Yeah. Um, I think Beatty's a little bit better than that in terms of what he can give you at, defensively. But I think yeah. I think Ronnie Mauricio is the most athletic player of the yeah. three, and I would have rathered him out there. I thought it's he saying, won the job. It's it's saying a lot that, um, you know, when, when we say with conviction that Beatty would take the job from a defensive standpoint versus Vientos because Beatty wasn't that good defensively. Yeah. And that's saying a lot as well in terms of the – improvement that Vientos would really have to make in order to take the everyday spot at third. But I'm with John. I think he's more so of a DH backup first baseman type. I think he has legit power. I do think he could hit 15 to 20 home runs this year okay. if he's given every day at bats as a DH. I just, I, I've been saying it and I'm going to stick with it. I don't think they're signing anybody else in terms of third base. I think you're, I think they're going to give as much rope as they can to Beatty to allow him to see what he can do and basically say, look, at one point, you were a top 20 overall prospect. This yeah. is the rope we're going to give you. Go out there and do it. And this, and I said it last week or two weeks ago, what he chooses to do with that rope is going to be up to him, and that's going yeah. to determine what happens moving forward. Uh, but I really think that Brett Bay is going to get every opportunity to uh, to shine, and if that happens within the first 200 at-bats, 300 at-bats, whatever it may be, I think they're going, to, they're going to give him the shot. What he does with it, we'll find out. Yeah, no doubt about it. And it's it sucks to say because 
I, has he had a full year in Beatty yet? I don't know if he's had a like a full season. Essentially, like, last like, year in terms of like start, start to finish, he hasn't start. He hasn't played in, a, no. in an open no. day, right? So, no, no. You hate to say it, but it's like put up or shut up time. I think for for these guys. So well, um, I mean, yeah, you know, shout shout out to uh, Aunt Rivera, Subway to Shea, talk with Jolly Olive, and and Jolly put it best. He said, you know, when 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 Aunt asked him the question about Beatty, he goes, "It's getting late early." I thought I thought that that was so well put, and it's like it's crazy because you see so many of these athletes and these players and these young guys come up throughout the league, and everyone lights the world on fire, and everyone thinks yeah. that the guys that they have in their system are going to be the same exact thing. I understand that people live and die by prospect lists, but they're not everything. Not everyone right. is one and the same. Uh, everything differs from from organizational standpoints to overall standpoints. Like it's a different scale throughout the league. And uh, I think that, you know, that prospect um, burden, if you will, is probably weighing heavy. And, you know, it's going to be on him to try to try and show out because, like we said, he's I don't, I don't think it's going to be that much more uh, that he's going to get. John, I got him going a little bit. This is up his yeah. alley. I, I can see. Yeah, I can, I can see. You see the endorphin, see the, the face. All of a sudden he popped up a little bit. Yeah, I got him going. Good. All right, good, good, good. You got, you got Carson going, too. Carson in the comments said, are we talking about the same baby, Todd? <laughs> He, 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 like he, he, he forgot. He, he put a T in there. It should be the same baby, Todd, not baby. <laughs> <laughs> no, you know, Todd, I, I think there is something to be said about both of those guys uh, with it getting late early for them because not that they're over the hill in terms of prospects, but they both are 24. They yep. both proved everything they can possibly prove in AAA. I mean, Vientos had a stretch in AAA where he was hitting 340 and going off and hitting all kinds of home runs. Yep. To his credit last year, Beatty earned his call-up early in the season. They traded Eduardo Escobar so they can make room for him. And then after that, they gave him every opportunity, and, and both of them kind of fumbled the bag. So I think when you look at it with each of those players, they're just right on the cusp, fairly or unfairly, just because yeah. of age and the younger prospects where they're just inches away from, okay, well, are they major leaguers or are they 4A players? And I, I, it might be, it might feel early to say that, but t this is the year for that. There's there's no more time after this. Well, and also you got Acuna coming up on the rise too. That might change. Listen, I know he's a shortstop, but that dude can swing it too. So it's very interesting. The moves we can make, let's just put him over a third. You know, it might sound crazy, but let's just try him there. See what all of a sudden, uh oh, you know what I mean? So, it, it's time. It's time for them both. Yeah, I, I've said that on this show too. The Mets have so many middle infield prospects that aren't really third basemen. But if a need arises, look, Trey Turner played center field for the Nationals when he first yeah. came up because they, <laughs> he was athletic enough to do it and they needed a center fielder. So it's an easier move to be like, oh, you're a shortstop, go play third base for a couple yeah. months and see, you know, because we have nobody else who's ready. And I, I think that's the kind of thing you're looking at. They may not be third baseman long-term, but if Beatty is not hitting and Vientos can't field and Acuna's tearing the cover off the ball or even Jet Williams, one of these guys might be playing third base for the Mets. So um, yeah. let, me, let me ask you this. I know you got to get out of here in a minute. Is there a player of the two that you like better or you think will win the third base job between Vientos and, and Beatty? Or if everything breaks well, this, it's going to be this guy over this guy. I, I think if he said it best, I, I think you give Beatty the benefit of the doubt right now. I like his size. I like his stature. I know people talk about defense, but when you get to spring training, you got these infield coordinators and these coaches, they're going to work his ass off and they're going to get in his mind and figure out, hey, listen, 
why would you set up here? We got all this paperwork to help you out. We're going to move you around. And then we want you to use your instincts. So I, I think he's going to get the first crack at it. He's been there. He's done it. He's he's front and he hits lefty and he's actually got some juice. So I would give it to the to the power guy first and foremost and then move on from there. Well, and just quick follow up to that, because both guys hit a lot of home runs. Well, not a ton, but they both hit yeah, for power I, in the minors. Yeah. But it seems like Beatty, especially because Vientos yeah. towards the end of the season was really lifting the ball, driving the ball. Sure. But Beatty hits the ball hard, but it seems as though he's having trouble lifting the ball. Yeah. He hits, you know, with a ton of exit velocity to the second baseman. And is that something you can learn to adjust at the major league level? Or do you have to learn that elsewhere and take it with you? No, I, I, I think it's that's an kind of, I think it's kind of an easy fix. I think it's setting your sights. So as a young hitter, all we want to do is lift and separate. You know, uh, let me try right. instead of doing what you do in triple A, nice and easy, see the ball, hit the ball. Now you get in this big stage. Let me get out in front of one and, and take one bridge to, you know, if you're a lefty to right field. It's just changing your sights over from right center or yeah, right or right center to left center. And all of a sudden you're seeing the ball deeper and you're actually hitting home runs to right field but it's a cleaner way and your mindset was here. So now I'm not hitting them way out in front. I'm letting the ball get deeper. And I think that's what they're going to work on with him once uh, he gets there, hopefully early to spring training as a young player should. That, listen, you hit a lot of home yeah. runs in the major league. So I will take that. <laughs> yeah. Carson, probably with the last comment for you, Todd, he says it's because his swing pass sucks. I want to see your swing, Carson. I want to see your swing, Bob. I want to see it too. You, can say, you can't be saying that on here, dude. Come on, man. I, oh, I knew I knew I knew that would get a rise out of you man. Um, uh, Todd we're, we'll, we'll head into the break we'll come back out of the break uh without you but uh you know thank you again for for giving us a half hour thank you so much I appreciate it hey, is there anything we we didn't hit on with the Mets that you're like oh my god I I gotta let Met fans know this before uh, um I would say sign Pete Alonzo long term right now the kid's an absolute stud I know he's making good money now, but you don't want this guy is fit for Queens. He deserves to be there for another seven to 10 years. The guy is an absolute beast and you've seen what he's done. Cohen, that would be my next move. Once all this, all the dust settles, spring training, get that job done for him. He deserves it. That would be my last would, thing. Would you give him $200 million? I would easily, easily. Okay. Yeah. I, 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 a doubt. Yep. I think we, everybody in our comments agrees with that too. Most people want yeah. Pete. Um, Todd, Listen, man, thank you. Thank you so much for doing this. So I know much. you got to run with, yeah. uh, you know, do your dad thing. Um, so yeah. I appreciate you taking a little bit of time. Hopefully we can get you on again at yes, some sir. point. Um, foul territory is fantastic. Love the work. Love foul there. territory. Um, yeah. It thank would you. be great to have you in the Mets booth, especially after everything we talked about. Hey, listen, that, listen we, if we can make that happen, that'd be great. So when, when Gary says something, I'm just going to mean mug him to hold. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> that that would that that would be that would be pretty cool now um, since everybody's in a stir about it. But guess what? I sleep just well at night. You know how it goes. So we're good. Yeah, <laughs> I hear you, man. Guys, that is the one good and only stuff. Todd Frazier. We are gonna head into the break. We'll be back. Ibby and John taking you the rest of the way. This is Two Mets Do Us Part, live on YouTube, live on Twitter. We will be right back. Ro 
Roses are red, violets are blue. Trim your balls and your date will thank us too. What's up, fellas? John here with Till Mets Do Us Part. And Valentine's Day is knocking and Manscaped is the remedy for what the love doctor ordered. His prescription, the all-new Performance Package 5.0 Ultra, designed to elevate your grooming game and shine like the heartthrob you are. Join the 10 million men worldwide who trust Manscaped with our exclusive offer. Go to manscaped.com to snag 20% off and free shipping. That's 20% off and free shipping with the code TMDUP. That's TMDUP for Till Mets. Do us part. Happy Valentine's Day. Yo, what's going on, everybody? We are back. This is the first time maybe we've ever done a split episode like this, and it's uh, pretty awesome to do. So we had Todd Frazier on for the first half, and then, uh, you know, here we are rocking, doing our thing here in the second half with all the commenters and everybody. Hope you enjoyed the insight from Todd Frazier. Um, Of course, you know, he does... uh, you know, he does his thing out there uh, for the Yankees, which is kind of a bummer, right? But uh, listen, he played for both. He lives local still. So, you know, he's going to he's gonna always speak his mind and, and speak his mind um, pretty plainly. And that's why I support, you know, what he said with regards to um, the Gary Cohen stuff. And, you know, because you, what you see is what you get from Todd. He, he does the same thing, has the same conversations with me. Ibby, your mic is muted. Um, has the same conversations with me, uh, you know, off air as he does with us on air. And everything like that. So, um, you know, again, what you see is what you get, and I appreciate that. Um, in the meantime, a little bit of housekeeping. Uh, Carlos Ramos saying, "Yep, the break is longer now that you guys have joined Brella." No, we just made the break a little longer because we knew we were going to have to. Things. We had a transition in and out of Todd. We wanted to make sure he had enough time to like log off and everything. We could remove him so he can go do his thing. But uh, yeah, so really quickly, just jumping back into the comments. We did start early this week, about fifteen minutes or so. So. A little less people watching live than normal. Uh, Jeff Cohen saying, don't forget to hit the thumbs up button. Yes. Sub the channel. Hit the thumbs up. Subscribe to the channel. Turn notifications on. All of that fun stuff. We got a lot of cool things coming up in the next few weeks in terms of guests and changes to the show and some additions and some new graphics and things like that that we're kind of working on on an ongoing basis. So really, really appreciate everybody uh, for tuning in, doing the show and all that stuff. And Ibby, I do have to say this because it is important. There are some people who still very much, a lot of people who listen to our show as an audio podcast. Yes. The last couple of weeks, we have not had an audio version of the show as we were transitioning from our old network to our new network. We are still in that transitional phase. I believe that we will get it all sorted by the end of this week. So our episode this week will be back on all the podcast platforms. If you search us right now, there is no existing podcast. And that's because when you go from one podcast carrier to another, the transition takes about two to four days. And over that course of time, your podcast basically disappears. So if you go to search us on Spotify or on Apple or wherever you get your podcast and you're like, what the hell are they done? Are they not doing podcasts anymore? What's happening? We are just uh, transitioning over from one platform to another. It's annoying that it takes time. It's annoying that we disappear in the interim, but that is how it goes. Hopefully, our podcast will be posted tomorrow. If not, it will be the next day. And once that transition is fully realized, then it's just business as usual. Podcast will drop shortly after the lives go. So um, that said, Ibby, uh, good conversation with Todd Frazier, but we have a lot of stuff to get to here. Adam Avino, yeah. uh, Robertson and Turner sign elsewhere. Wandy Peralta signs elsewhere. So where do you want to go with regards to our Mets? Let's start with, 
let's start with what happened today. Let's start with I want to start with Wandy Peralta because I think that that's an interesting starting point, uh, mainly because it continues this this conversation that everyone is having amongst Mets fans on Twitter and wherever you get your information about the team about signing players and understanding that, oh, the, you know, I, I, I think I starred one of the comments off. Uh, actually, I'm going to look right now. Um, I think I'm going to start one of the comments, and it was Carlos's that I wanted to bring up. It's about Turner, but it, it works for all of them, really. Justin Turner went for just $7 million more than uh, Adam Adovino. And we'll talk about uh, Adovino in a moment. But I, I really think that people – and Joe DeMeo broke, broke it down well today, and uh, Chris Soto – on Twitter as well. If you don't follow him, he's very he's very good when it comes to breaking down uh, the payroll and the taxes and everything. If you're interested in those types of numbers, but talking about where the Mets are in terms of money, Wani Peralta got what four years with three opt outs for sixteen million dollars, something along those lines. Yeah. And when you break it down, that's it's not it's it's actually more money than that for the Mets perspective, uh, mainly because of where they are when it comes to the tax. Justin Turner signs for $13 million. If he signed with the Mets for $13 million, it would really equate to $27 million. And that's why, you know, when you hear Solaire wants $40 million, that's a lot more money from the Mets perspective if they were to sign him for X amount of years and that type of money because of where they are in terms of the tax. Now, I know money should not be an issue. I get it. But at the same time, we laud Steve Cohen for being a businessman. A businessman doesn't burn money. Yes, you can do things. Yes, he for for all intents and purposes, to this point, he has burned a shit ton of money. He definitely yep. has. And guess what? Now it's about self-correcting and allowing things to work out and get people to run things properly. So I stopped burning money. Yes, you want to make money. Yes, you also understand that running a baseball team burns money in general because you know you shouldn't be trying to make your money off of a baseball team because it loses a lot more so than gains, which is what we've talked about on the show multiple times when it comes to broke owners. If that's the way you're going to be, get rid of the team. Shout out to the Orioles who are finally getting billionaire owners who actually might want to spend some money. Good for them. But would be great. Would be terrific for that. Would city, be fantastic. Would be fantastic. And they can keep their young players as opposed to saying goodbye in five years, which is what Angelos basically said to them. Enjoy them while they're here. And they have so many good young players in Baltimore. Um, just, just to piggyback off what you were saying, you know, I had a similar conversation with somebody on Twitter. I took the the post about Wandy Peralta, reposted it. People kind of got in the comments and stuff. I was a little busy today, so I couldn't get to every every one of them. And um, I'm trying to be a little bit more respectful when I argue with people. So I didn't really bash anybody for this. But basically, uh, what it came down to was, I said, look, I and if you follow me, I apologize for repeating my own tweet. But I would not get involved in a four-year deal with Wandy Peralta, regardless of the opt-outs. Because if he's good, he opts out, and then it's your problem all over again. If he's bad, you're stuck with him, and you have no choice. And there was a dude whose name I forgot at, at, the, at the moment, but he said, look, you know, Cohen has eaten Cano's contract. Cohen ate so much money to get better prospects back at the deadline. It's like, yeah, he already did that. That doesn't mean that he has to continue to do that because that's not how successful franchises operate. Yeah, you want your team to be the George Steinbrenner Yankees of old where you go, you know what, Carl Pavano didn't work. It doesn't matter how much money I gave him. I'm cutting bait with him. You want him to be Steve Cohen that says, look, 
I didn't bring Robinson Cano here. I don't care how much money he makes. I'm cutting him. I think we can go better with younger players, in-house players. The guy's a headache, and the guy doesn't play baseball good anymore. Let's get rid of him. You want your team to be able to do that. It should not be the norm. You should not have to swallow $4 million every year because you got all up your own ass about Wandy Peralta. Right. Wandy Peralta has had a good run the last few years. Ibby, is that run going to continue? I would say likely not because most non-elite close uh, most non-elite relief pitchers don't have four good consecutive years. No. Period. No. He's already had basically three and now you're going to lock him up for another four where if he's good, he can leave, but if he sucks, you have to pay him to go away. That's not smart baseball. I'm sorry. Not when you're already have done it. If the Mets are one player away, then yeah, give him that deal. Also, by the way, Wandy Peralta, with respect to his career, is not a one player away move no. guy regardless. No. But if the Mets are, we need a second lefty. We're trying to win a World Series. We'll give him that deal. Fine. But with respect to that, I don't think San Diego is that team either. So I think no. that was a bad deal for them. But they give out bad deals all the fucking time. Yes. So let's not look at San Diego. You're looking at the wrong Southern California team if you're looking at San Diego for a template of how to do deals. Are you good? I'm done. Okay. No. <laughs> I didn't think I was going to get that heated. No, it's like, but I, I think people, and I'm I'm with people. Like I'm with uh, with Aunt with or Aunt Subway Shay talking about needing a lefty for the bullpen when you know CP was on with them last night, and Amish country fan Nelson uh, talking about. You know, needing a lefty in the pen, Wani Peralta would have been a nice fit. Look, I'm 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 with those guys in that he would have been a nice fit, but I think context is needed here. I think everyone thought that Wani Peralta was probably getting a one-year deal. And on a one-year deal, yeah, he would have fit nicely into this bullpen. But one year potential three, four-year deal opt-ins and and like I, I'm sorry, like I'm not about it. And like I said, it's it's not worth the money. Based off of the tax that I just mentioned, where you know 16 million really equates to say 30 million. I don't know if that's the proper math, but I'm just throwing a right. number out there that would be higher than what it's the actual more. value is. Yes, it's <laughs> more than what the paper, you know, whatever is getting reported to you, 16 million. If it was the Mets, it's not really 16 million. It's a lot more than that. And I don't think he is worth that type of money. To your point before, if this was a piece that was a staple end piece to bookend something to really go even though Wandy's not that, but if it was that, I would understand spending the extra cash and doing it. Doesn't make sense here. So I'm, I'm not crying over it. There are still options. There are people out there. People want to talk about Aaron Loop. I'm not big on Aaron Loop coming back, but if, if that's what it is, so be it. Jake Diekman, there's, there, there's people out there that can fill the role that they thought Wandy could have done for this team. But we'll see what this team ends up uh, deciding to do because I, I really think that we're – we're reaching the uh, the end of uh, of thinking that they're going to do anything because I really think they're starting to lock in uh, with what they have. We'll jump into the comments here. A lot of stuff coming in. Um, Carlos Ramos saying, uh, I'm good with a move for Loop. Makes too much sense. Uh, you're right, Darren, who mentioned him earlier. Um, also then follows it up by saying, um, I guess if we get another bullpen piece, it'll probably be Loop. He won't cost much. Uh, another option as a lefty. Um, Armand mentoring Loop or uh, Garcia um, on major league deals, um, you know, and then you could go minor league deals with some of these guys. Uh, you just mentioned Deekman, Mets vet saying uh, Deekman low key, dude has great stuff, just bad command. 
And I think those are the kinds. I think those are the kinds of guys you should be looking for. Look, Ibby, and just to be fair, if you remember on this show, I think in our first season, it was after the Mets had Aaron Loop, and he went on that great run and had the best year of his career. And everybody's like, "You got to sign Aaron Loop. You got to sign Aaron Loop." And I was like, "Don't sign Aaron Loop. Aaron Loop will never be that good again." You don't sign him coming off of that kind of a deal. You don't sign any relief pitcher who has had a middling career. And again, I'm just, I don't want to disrespect these guys, but it is what it is. Aaron Loop up until that point was okay. He had a good year coming off of uh, the the, the run with Tampa. And it was like, okay, let's bring in Aaron Loop. And okay, fine. You bring in Aaron Loop. Then he has the best year of his career. You're going to sign a middle relief pitcher to a multi-year contract coming off the best year of his career? Never. You go and you find the next Aaron Loop. You go and you find the guy where you can catch lightning in a bottle and fix somebody for a season. Because that is the life of relief pitchers in the in the major leagues. Jake Diekman has had some success. He hasn't had a lot of success lately. But, Ibby, you telling me if the Mets signed Jake Diekman, you don't think there's at least – all I'm saying is a coin flip chance. A coin flip chance that he is not the setup man for Edwin Diaz in a very successful way. Of course there is, because that's what middle relievers are. Middle relievers are good one year, bad the next, good for two, bad for three. Then all of a sudden, five years later, you're like, I thought this guy retired. You're like, yeah, he played in Korea. Now he's good again. (laughs) It's That's how it works. That's how middle relievers are. So I'm never signing guys to big deals after success. Now, what I, I said what I said about Aaron Loop then, and Jeff Cohen nailing it, they're fickle. fickle. Relievers are fickle. Um, I said what I said about Aaron Loop then. That doesn't mean it'd be that I wouldn't sign Aaron Loop now. I would sign Aaron Loop now because I think he's decent. And I think he has the upside of being pretty good again. And you can probably get him on maybe even a minor league deal. But I'm not signing him off his best year. So I'm not signing Wandy wow. Peralta. And- to a three-year deal, a four-year deal after he was good for three years in a row. And, and Carson is true here too. Um, okay, and upside, yeah. not track record. Yeah, I think that's what you have to do. I think you have to look at these guys, and it's not saying, oh my God, you have to have all the arm talent in the world or you can't be over a certain age. I think you just look at what a guy has done and what a guy is still doing. And that's why Diekman is intriguing. He does have good stuff. He's got bad command, mostly good stuff. I think there's some upside there. I think Aaron Loop, Maybe not a plus in the stuff department in terms of um, velocity and things like that. But I think Aaron Loop could find himself back to where he can be a decent pitcher. But again, you're talking a million bucks, two million bucks, four million bucks, one year deal, minor league invitation, you know, minor league deal with a spring training invitation. You're not talking about four years where the player has all the control and that deal that goes from $16 million is really more like 20 or $24 million because of your luxury tax. For Wandy Peralta, I know we want players, guys. I'm not trying yeah. to say that any of this is sexy, but Jesus, this is and, not me. Yeah. And, and, to, and just to bring up John's comment here saying how he never thought uh, – because I asked the question, he, he thought we would never be having these conversations, and I asked in the comments, which conversations are you talking about? He says, never thought we'd be having uh, conversations when it comes to uh, money about teams uh, – or is it right there? About money and sign players that are cheap. And it's like – I, I get it, and I, I I know it sounds like we're talking out of both sides here, but really what it comes down to is you see this team showing a willingness to spend and spend a lot when they have to 
or when they when they deem it necessary. This is still the same team that offered a pitcher who never pitched on American soil outside of the WBC $325 million, which would have put him as the highest ever for a starting pitcher in Major League Baseball history. Like it's not as if they don't want to spend. It's saying I oh, so I'm sorry. Money. When they yeah. offered that deal, I think they were fully confident that they were going to get the play. Because they offered $50 million more than the other team was. And the other team said, "Eh, you know what? We'll match it. Okay, that's what I wanted you to do. Now I'm going to go. So it's like the money is there. I think that Mets fans in general, and this isn't a shot at you, John. Like I'm I'm not attacking you. I'm just saying Mets fans as a whole are just very – uneasy about what this season might be based off of how the off season has gone. And they just want things. It's like, I don't care. I want, and now we're, we're getting to the bottom half now where it's like, do, do you really care that much about Wandy Peralta? Like, are you like you're having a meltdown on Twitter over Wandy Peralta? Let's, 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 let's try to, let's try to bring this in a little bit. Like I, I, I look, I wanted Justin Turner. I've made shorts on Justin Turner. We've talked about, uh, we talked about Justin Turner nonstop on this show over the last month. He signs with the Blue Jays for thirteen million. I'm like, all right, whatever. It's not that big of a deal. I also wanted Justin Turner. We both did, right? We both talked to anybody who would listen. Terry Collins, other guests on this show, everybody who watches and listens to this show on Twitter. Justin Turner, Justin Turner, Justin Turner, Justin Turner, Justin Turner signed somewhere else. I didn't even fucking tweet about it. Because while I think he fits the team and while I think he would be good, it also, it doesn't really matter. Again, because Ibby, going back to the conversation we just had with Todd in the first half, if it wasn't about protecting Pete, I literally would be fine if they didn't sign a DH. I would be good giving Vientos, I said two years ago when they refused to give Vientos a shot, when their DHs were J.D. Davis and Dom Smith and neither one of them hit a home run in 11 years. I was like, just call up Vientos. Yes. Vientos is hitting home runs in AAA. Does that mean he's going to hit home runs in the majors? I don't know, but it's better than these two fucking guys who can't hit a home run if they tried. And believe me, it looks like they're trying. So I'm all for letting the kid play. I think you have to. I said it on Twitter. I've said it on this show. I believe in young talent and upside and athleticism. And you're going to get that with younger guys, not with older ones. Yes. But you also do have to have players that have a track record of success. So do I want the Mets to sign Jorge Soler? I would like to see that happen. I don't even want – I don't want J.D. Martinez. I have not been in on J.D. Martinez at all. But if the Mets sign J.D. Martinez to a one-year deal – I'm not going to be upset about it. Now, if uh, Solaire signs somewhere else for three years with a fourth year option, dude, I'm not. You're not going to hear a peep out of me. I don't think the Mets should match that deal. You know, Jorge Solaire is the only guy of the three, Turner himself and JD Martinez, where I could see a multi-year deal. But I'm not going to four for him. I would do two. I might even do two in an option. I'm not getting a four-year deal for Jorge Soler. Well, let me ask you I'm this. If, if it comes down to – and I don't think it will because I think the market's coming down. We've seen Arizona go to Jock Peterson. We've seen Toronto go to Turner. So when it comes to the likes of Soler and J.D. Martinez, the wells kind of start to dry up 
because those were the teams that were really attacking uh, that market. So are they going to come down on price? Solaire started off saying he wanted four years. Is that number coming down? We see an article put out today that's probably placed by the one and only uh, Scott Boris within whatever it was, Newsday or The Post or whatever, talking about how you know those two names are front and center and how Pete Alonso needs protection. To me, that kind of screams a little bit of Scott Boris, but that's neither here nor there. Um, I really think that the question needs to be asked is, and I'll throw it to you, do you think it's smart based off of age and what you think projecting this year and moving forward and what I just talked about when it comes to the tax and money? Are you giving Jorge Soler, say – Let's say three years at around forty million dollars. Knowing that that knowing that that forty is not really forty, but just as an example, Man. do you do you think he's worth? Like I, we're talking. I feel like a lot of the conversations that we have and other Mets fans have when it comes to protecting Pete is so focused on this year. We're not really looking forward. We've talked about the entire scope of Jorge Soler's uh, Jorge Soler's career and what he has been. Can the power sustain and be that what it is moving forward? Can he do this for the next three years if Pete stays? Is that what we want to be behind Pete? Is it worth? Is is the juice worth the squeeze in that sense? I say no. Okay. When presented with that dollar amount, I am content to let Pete hit fourth or, you know, hit third or second or whatever conversations we were having about the lineup machinations last second, week. Yeah. Um, I'm content to move things around and protect him with Alvarez and, you know, hope that Vientos takes the strides. And because, dude, I don't know, Soler's been hurt in his career. Look, there's People questions. are worried. People are. are worried about Pete. People are saying, oh, my God, can, you shouldn't sign Pete to a long-term contract extension because look at his body type. I don't know if he can sustain it. I see a guy who has hit home runs at a pace that no one's ever seen before, basically. Um, so I have more faith in that guy sustaining it than I do Jorge Soler. You know what I mean? Like so, And I know the term would be shorter, but I think when you put it that way, it'd be, it's it's – it's tough. It's tough for me to say give him $40 million over three years, knowing that 40 is probably closer to 50 with the tax, like knowing that you're going to try to get, you know, I think the Mets are going to go full bore towards, you know, Max Freed or Corbin Burns or, uh, and, and Juan Soto in the off season. That's what I think this off season is going to look like. Now, will they get any of them? I don't know, but I think they're going to try. I think they're going to try to get and again, two of this- those three players. This, this isn't even about, and I don't want people thinking that it is, it's not about thinking, um, you know, don't sign someone to hope that someone is available the next year. It's not that. Again, it, it comes back It comes back to, is something a smart investment? Is something a smart way to go about building a team? That's really what it comes down to. And, and Carson here, bring him a point out, and I'll, and I'll start here. Uh, I, would, I would overpay to protect Alonzo if I had Alonzo, you know, always locked in. So I understand that. I get it wholeheartedly. Carson, I'll say to you, I I pose the same question to you. Uh, Not so much the money. Do you think that Jorge Soler is that player for the next, say, three years? It's a simple question. And I'll throw it to the chat as well. Do you think that Jorge Soler is that type of bat for the next three years that you think is the proper bat to protect Pete Alonso? You know what? Let people in the comments answer that. But I do agree with Carson's thought process there. 
I, I get it wholeheartedly. Yeah. A more, more of an imperative if you had Pete signed. And that's why this comment from Carlos is very it kind of continues that thought. And it's also fair because Carlos has been of the of the logic, hey, you could trade Pete. And you know, we've gone to battle over this. But he says if Pete resigns tomorrow, you sign Solaire, you have to sign Solaire the day after. I think that's the the next continuation yeah. of that conversation. And I think this is another great comment from Armand, and I agree with this. I've said I don't want J.D. Martinez, but he says I would rather sign J.D. Martinez for one year 20 than Solaire three years 40. I agree with that too. I, there's no such thing as a bad one-year deal. I don't think that J.D. Martinez fits this team as well as Solaire does. I don't think that J.D. Martinez fit this team as well as Justin Turner would have. But I would rather give J.D. Martinez – I would rather give any player – a one-year deal over giving any player that we're talking about now in this scope, a multi-year deal. I think those are all very, very, very fair comments. And you know, to bring up Patty's point, I don't, I don't care for Martino, but I know it's been put out there that the Mets aren't spending more because of the tax. And I, look, I know it's out there. And I think based off the numbers that I brought up before about how, you know, Turner signs for 13 would have really equated to 27. Shout out to, again, shout out to Joe DeMeo for putting that one out there before. It just shows you, it's like, there's, they're in a tough spot and they're trying their best to make it work. And I think that that also fits in with the entire transition year, re, you know, retooling, if you will, seeing what you have before you go out there and spend money. Because, look, I, I don't think these players are worth it. I really don't. That, that, that's just the way I feel. And, and I don't, again, I don't want it to sound like I'm saying wait, but, you know, at the same time, I, I look ahead, I see things, and I'm just like, if I'm, if I got to eat a little bit of shit on this one, basically, and allow the guys that I have to play out and see what I have, maybe I have something. I'm more fine with doing that, knowing that there could be, even though there's no guarantee, that there could be something better. I'd rather spend, you know, at the deadline. I'd rather spend, yeah, you know, beyond that as opposed to saying, okay, I'm going to, you know, I'm going to blow my load on, on all this stuff in terms of like Jorge Soler or you know, who else, whoever else, but I, I don't think they're going to do that. I, I really don't. Yeah. I, a lot of people tend to agree with you. Um, Armand saying no, Mets vent saying no, a um, couple of people disagreeing, which is fair. Um, it's a good, it definitely is a good conversation. Fine, yeah. uh, Carson saying, I think he has the type of bat for the next three years. If he's not playing the outfield regularly talking about Solaire problem is you're going to have to pay him to be an outfielder in the Marte range, which I think then, is where you start yeah. to go, well, that's probably too much, right? And so that's a little bit of both sides, but I think it's a very fair assessment from Carson. Um, Carlos saying, Ibby, I would say yes, because he would be better than what we've had at DH, which is another fair point. We've had almost a black hole at DH. I think me and John um, at DH are better at this point, but I understand I, I understand completely, Carlos. I do. I get it. Um, uh, Tone, uh, Mitch Trucker podcast. What up, Tone? Um, just starting a new podcast. What up? Um, or a, a second go around at it. I, I he said something about like um, this is a, it. I'm doing a this. renaming, a renaming, a retooling. Either way, sub the channel, show the I guys like some love. I like the logo. Yes, yeah, subscribe to the channel. He does good stuff. Um, saying yeah. a one year deal for Pete protection makes sense. Let uh, Beatty and Vientos battle it out. So like, there's there's a lot of um, there's there's a lot and follows it up by saying by the way, um, Solaire isn't consistent, not worth a three year deal. There's a lot of ways that you can look at this. It'd be and, and again. It's that part of the show. Oh, Christ. Getting ready. There, I'm, I'm sorry. <laughs> there are better players than Jorge Soler and J.D. Martinez and Wandy Peralta 
still available. Now, do I think that that is where the Mets are going to go? No. Do I necessarily even think, given the context of everything that we're talking about, about how these deals then become more expensive? I don't think that it's necessarily prudent, but I'd rather go with the better player over the worse one. So if you're going to tell me that you can sign Blake Snell under the market value of what he was going to get, I will take it. If you're going to tell me that you can sign Cody Bellinger, Ladies and gentlemen, that is the belly bell that I promised Chris Ram, who I don't know if he's here this week, but he coined it last week and I told him I would make something. That is the belly bell and we'll be wrong as many times as it needs to be throughout a show if John continues to say the name that I will not say because I don't want to ring bell on myself. Listen, Mets Vent saying do not start with that, dude. Um, no, but like, like seriously, uh, Mets Trucker Tones and – uh, Matt Chapman, don't kill me. Like, no, no I, I do look at all of these guys. Be, again, it goes back to what I said on Yamamoto. So I'm being consistent here. I'd rather spend more money on the better player. Give me Yamamoto and the who the fuck knows at 26 for 10 years and $320 million over Jordan Montgomery for seven years and $200 million. But that same logic applies as we move down the line. So I would rather have Jordan Montgomery at two years and a reasonable AAV than I would, you know, overpay for somebody else. I would rather have the guy that I'm talking about in the outfield, Cody Bellinger. God damn. I would rather have him for you know, a, a, a very high AAV for the next year or two or like, okay, make it the same thing. I would rather have him for three years at a higher AAV than Jorge Soler at three years at right. a AAV that I think is overvaluing him. Right. No, I, I get it. I, I just, <clears throat> I think we just need to understand and realize, and it's look, it's tough for us as content creators, just trying to find things to speak on. I, I get it, but but <laughs> yes, the budget with yes, Brella the budget has, has gone through the roof. Yeah. I mean, we are, we are, we are renting graphics, at us. baby. Come at me. Come at me with graphics. I didn't know Ibby made that. That's hilarious, by the way. <laughs> um, no, but I, I just think that, uh, you know, it's, it's to the point where we're trying to find things to speak on. And it's, it's kind of, it, it gets a little bit repetitive at times. But I, I really think we just need to make peace, if you will, because I think that's what Mets fans need to do is just make a little bit of peace that um, this team is going to go younger this year. And uh, if something s- severely, like really, really bottoms out, which is what we talked about like a week or two ago, if something really bottoms out where basically someone's coming on for no money, then they might play and say, okay, come in here for a year. We'll give you this. You know, We'll give you 10 even though it's really going to equate to 18 on our end, we'll give you 10, come here. Like if something like that happens for a given player, it's not going to happen for the Chapmans and the, I'm going to call them CB, uh, the CBs of the world. Um, but, uh, you know, those guys are still going to end up getting money from someone, uh, probably the Angels is my guess, but, you know, or, or the Giants. Like they're going to get their money eventually. But if you're talking about a J.D. Martinez, you might, might have a shot. 
I think someone eventually is going to give Soler a two-year deal, probably for money that he might be comfortable with. I don't think it's going to be the Mets. Um, but I, I just think that the Mets are are starting to, like I said, lock in with what they have and um, are basically, I don't want to call it bargain shopping, but just waiting, if you will, like a lot of other teams are doing, waiting out a market for them to realize that uh, you're not going to get paid what you want or what you thought you were going to get. So why don't you come here for a year and see what happens and then reestablish. I think that that's kind of where they are at this moment. Yeah, and I think for both guys um, from the offensive side, I don't think it's insane. I think people look at the year that Chapman had and it started off hot and then it kind of, you know, petered out a bit. And I think when people look at CB, the outfielder, um, I think people <laughs> look at somebody who had a lot of success and then was, you know, largely terrible. And now, you know, kind of they put him out there to prove it and he proved it. But I think some people want to see it on more than one year. You know, I think, I think he probably would have benefited from signing a, a deal with an option or a two year deal or something like that. So, you know, I, I think, I think it is possible. I think that, um, you know, there's a lot of great stuff going on in the comments. Carson saying three years is the most I'd give either of them, you know, people saying, Hey, it makes sense, but Boris is going to get Boris money because he always does. And, you know, all of those things are, are, are good. Um, Armand saying it became, I became acceptable of the off season when the Mets made it Yamamoto or Boston lost out on him. I know nothing big is going to happen now. I hope, uh, they do sign someone to a one or two year deal with an opt out, you know. So, I think yeah, a lot we of people said that back then. We said that. Sorry, we like we said that back then. Yeah. We we're like Yamamoto was the fork in the road. That we we said once it happened, we said or once it was coming toward towards you know, you know uh, coming to a head, if you will, like a toward that final climax. Like we said, this is it. Like whatever happens here, if they sign him, this is where they're going to go. If they don't sign him. Don't expect much because there's not much on this market that made sense for this team beyond Yamamoto, especially when the market in the beginning was at the money that it was at. There was no way that this team was going to give $160 million to Jordan Montgomery. They I sure shit are not giving Blake Snell. If that ask price of nine years, 270 is what he was asking for. They weren't going to do that either. Not for a guy in his thirties. They were offering 325 for a 20, 24 year old, 25 year old. Like that's, that's a different story. Way different story. Yeah, they yeah like it, they get that deal. They have they have Yamamoto until he's thirty six. They give that deal to Snell. They have him until he's forty one. That's a big difference. That is a huge difference. And I like Blake Snell. I think Blake Snell's a better pitcher than people give him credit for. I know he doesn't pitch deep in games, and I know he walks a lot of people. But you know, I mean, listen, the, you know, the the guy's good. The guy's not two hundred and seventy million dollars good. That's insane. That's yeah. an insane deal for him absolutely it's madness so you know it'd be before we get out of here um there's one last person that i i do want to bring up because i think it's been interesting to see you know the mets bring back adam adovino mm -hmm. and um frisbees baby adam, frisbees yeah adam adovino um you know kind of overplayed his hand a little bit you know he said that I think he was on foul territory, was it? When he was uh, talking about, you know, how it seemed like it makes sense to go back to the Mets. And then a couple of days later, he was back to the Mets. And, he, yeah. you know, there was a lot of flux. They, yeah. they didn't know who their president of baseball ops was going to be. They didn't know who their manager was going to be. There was a lot of things. So I don't think that that's necessarily BS from Adovino. I think both things can be true. I think he was unsure while being comfortable here overall and realizing he's not getting any younger. And so he wanted to see what was what, but I think in doing that, he also overplayed his hand because 
you know, he opted out and he basically lost $4 million in the process. So three million. Well, I, I, I think, I think um, it might've been Jazz Chisholmi, shout out to him on Twitter, uh, talking about the the breakdown when it comes to <laughs> talking about the Brella upgraded Ivy to, to that one gig Wi-Fi package. You damn easy, easy, easy. We're still working on this Wi-Fi over here. Um, he he had brought down. Um, he had brought up how uh the difference in money wasn't what people really thought it was in terms of a loss, mainly because the old deal had a lot of deferred money, so that would have changed obviously over time. So he didn't really lose as much as people thought he did, but still. You know, from a looks perspective, it looks like, oh, this guy screwed up. But I can understand why he decided to potentially walk away. Because I think there was rumors in the beginning, too, that there was no guarantee to him that if he picked up the – if if he opted in, that he would still be here. Like, he might have been like, oh, you're, you're going to pick up the money? Well, we're going to trade you now, too. So, like, he, I guess he wanted to control – his own destiny in that sense. And then once there was a little bit more clarity, uh, you see what happens here. The money's decent. He's like, okay, I'll come back. Yeah. yeah I mean, look, I, I wasn't gung ho about it. I said so on Twitter. Um, you know, uh, Mets uh, trucker <laughs> tone bringing this up saying Adovino had a better year than Stanek who Mets fans craved. True. Um, Carson saying mm, just that face. <laughs> um, look, I'm a little bit more, I'm kind of in the middle of those two guys. Um, I think Adovino is fine. I don't he's think fine. Adovino is like fine, fine as as your eighth inning guy filling closer. That's what I don't think he's fine. No, as. no. I think Adovino is fine as your sixth and seventh inning guy. Sometimes pitches in the eighth, never pitches in the ninth. That's what I think Adovino is. Am I mad that he's back? No. no. But I said it it'd be last week before they re-signed him. And before Robertson went to Texas, I said, if the Mets bring back Robertson or Adovino, I'm not going to be mad, but they need somebody else then. If they go get a Stanek, then I'm okay with that as being like the final, like real piece. And so I'm going to just maintain what I've been saying, which is I'm okay with Adovino. Adovino's got a pitch in the seventh inning, sometimes the sixth, sometimes the eighth, no later than the eighth. And that's, it so go get me somebody else who can really be in the setup role because I don't want it to be Adovino because when Adovino's slider is good he's unhittable when his slider is bad he throws batting practice helicopters and he can't hold anybody on do I think think he'll be a little bit more adjusted to the pace of play rules probably but he wasn't good at holding people out before that and we can can always talk about how you know Edwin Diaz coming back we know they'll probably ease him in in the beginning but him coming back does alleviate some pressure off of the pen and what's expected of them and things of that nature. I think a lot of people are also hoping, I know people in this chat are as well, that Jorge Lopez is someone that can re, you know, reestablish himself like he was two years ago and being dominant and he could be the one that's in that setup role. And I hope I hope that that that's the case as well. But I think yeah, what are hoping for that too. Yeah. And I and I think when it comes to Adavino, look, like you said, I was very eh, like I was talking with some friends about it. I was like, you know, I I don't mind Adovino. I just I wanted a different type of arm, arm talent in in the pen. It's like if you want to give me Adovino, it's like fine. But can can you give me like someone who's a little bit different than Adovino on top of that, like to add mm-hmm. to this? But like that's that's what I was I'm looking for. Like if you want to bring him back, fine. I'm not. It's whatever. But it's a fine established arm, if you will. But can you give me someone else, whether it's another lefty or just a different type of? Um, profile, if you were, if you will, from 
you know, from that type of pitcher. Like, just give me something a little bit different that, again, offers different looks from the pen and, um, you know, just I, – I, I'm, I'm not finding the words properly, but just something different is, is what I'm getting at. Yeah, Mets Trucker saying, fun fact, I think our setup guy is Brooks Raley and Jorge Lopez. Otto is our guy when the bullpen is overworked. Um, I think right now you hope that Raley and Jorge Lopez are the setup people. I agree with that. Um, I think Ottavino, though, is going to play a little bit more of a role than just when the bullpen is overworked. Like I said, I think he's the six, seven inning guy, sometimes in the eighth when those other guys maybe pitch back-to-back days and, and all that stuff. Right. Um but that's why I want another guy. I like a left. I I don't know if this is old school. Ibby. I like a lefty setup guy. I like a righty setup guy. So get me one more guy who can get into that mix so that it doesn't have to be out of, you know, like give me someone else so yeah. that it's not out of, you know, next in line. If Rayleigh gets hurt, then it's out of, you know, and I don't want that. I would like out of, you know, to stay in the middle of the, of the bullpen depth chart not get closer to the back end. I think he's better there and uh, at this stage of his career. And I think when he's pitching in, you know, less heightened scenarios where, you know, a walk or a base hit basically becomes a double, that's going to be better for the Mets. I just, that's, that's how I feel. You know, Darren with a good point, maybe the Mets can trade over Omar Narvaez, give them more money for a DH or a reliever. Um, I would entertain that. I like the signing of Narvaez last year, um, but with the emergence of Alvarez, um, I don't His think they need him as much. Yeah, and I think, you know, listen, I think I don't like Tomas Nito at all, but I think he can be a backup catcher for Alvarez, and I think that's fine. I don't think you need the money invested there in um, in Arbaez, just being fair. No, I mean, absolutely. Like, if, if you can get anything for him, like, I would love if there was a way for them to find someone that needed a catcher or needed some depth and they were willing to give up an upside type of pen arm, like, that would be ideal, but um, I have a feeling it's not going to happen, especially at this point. Uh, but things happen, you know, throughout the spring. You never know. We've seen things happen late for some teams. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, I've said before, like I would love to see one more type of arm in this pen over, even over a DH, because I said that I think this team is going to have the DH play out amongst the youth. Uh, like we talked about, when it comes to the Vientoses and even the uh, the DJ Stewarts of the world as opposed to paying out for what they think might be similar production. Um, but especially in terms of money, but you know, I want one more arm in the pen. Am I confident that we're going to get it? Not really. Um, but you know, we'll see what happens next week. You know, <laughs> um, a couple, go take a couple of these um, questions and comments yeah. on the way out here. Eddie. Uh, Armand saying, should the Mets go after Michael Lorenzen? He could be our Trevor Williams start and yes. be in the bullpen. I don't think it's going to happen. I don't. I, I don't see it. Um, I think. I think he really. I mean, everyone thinks of the of what was it, the no hitter. He threw a no hitter for for Philly. Um, I, I think after that, he kind of really just fell off a cliff. I don't know if he was overworked, but you check the numbers. It's just it's not there. I'm not a big fan of him. Uh, I don't think it would really work. I understand the thought process that you have there, but for me, I, I would pass. Yeah, and I think that this is a point from Charlie. I think Lucchese is already an in-house option for that, depending on how that goes. And I think um, Tone, uh, also Jose Buto is an option for that role as well. Um, I think like if one of those guys makes the rotation, the other guy goes to the bullpen unless they have an abysmal spring kind of deal. Um, what do you make of the stuff with um, Tyler McGill? Ibby? Tyler McGill getting a fork ball 
going, working on his stuff, look. looking really good. I mean, I look, I I want the guy to succeed. Um, I want him to have an established role, whatever it may be, if it's a starter, if it's out of the pen or whatever. Um, look, I'm all for guys, you know, toying around, bringing new pitches to a repertoire to add to it, to better themselves, to find an advantage of, of any way that they can. So, I mean, for me, I like seeing stuff like that. Just get the guy throwing back to, you know, being 98, 99 and, you know, mix that in and, you know, let's, let's go. I know Carson can appreciate that. Let's, 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 yeah. let's get something Listen, like that going. I, I felt the same way. I mean, I said on this show before we ever even met Carson um, and I'm not trying to steal his thunder because he's kind of taken the baton and run with it since, um, you know, as far as we've, we've known him. But I, when, when Tyler McGill burst on the scene, I said this guy was DeGrom-esque, like a mini DeGrom. You did. In that he was unsung. He came up with more velocity than people thought. He was doing things, looked like a mature pitcher. And, you know, Carson can, can say it in the comments. I'm sure he will. They changed the way he pitched. And I think if he has added, it'd be a legit downward tilt weapon like a split finger fastball and you get him throwing back high velocity up in the zone tyler mcgill could be lethal with that combination absolutely if he throws 97 miles an hour up with rise which is what he was doing when he first came up and then throws a splitter in the dirt that i mean that guy that's that's talent right there that's stuff that will win that will play so you know i mean i think that that's it's interesting. It's interesting. I'm not ready to put stake in it. I think that it's, you know, too early to tell, but I do think that it's something to look forward. It definitely makes me go. Hmm. Oh, know, absolutely. Maybe, maybe we all go, want more hmm. than yeah. hmm, this year, but that's no, what it I is. Get like, it. You know, Scott Miller saying Stearns isn't getting anybody of interest next year is an off year and watch the prospects really sad. And to that, Scott, I just say with respect, um, sometimes watching prospects is fun because you never, and I'm not trying to cope, but like, you don't know what you're going to get. Like it's, it's January 31st. Maybe this team, I, I would do things a little differently. I've already opined about what I would do, but this team could be significantly better than anybody sees. Like, what, oh my God, what if David Stearns is right? The, look, the, the the projections have us at what 80, 80 something wins was it 82, 83, whatever the projections had it at. It's a lot better than what Mets fans, you know, are thinking that it's going to be. And look, you ask me today, January thirty first, which you know what what's the win total? I'd probably put it like around. I could probably say like eighty wins. Like right now, I could probably say that. Like if I, if I dive a little bit deeper and look at things and kind you know kind of project that, which I'll do as we get closer to opening day. Yeah, maybe that number can go higher, but I think that this team can still compete enough to make some noise by the deadline with something that can help them and then move forward with that to try and push. Like I think that that's possible. I, 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 I'm not with people when they look at this team and they automatically say that it's it's a nothing burger and it's a loss where it's like, I see a lot of other teams in the NL, man. I, I think that they can compete enough to be in the mix. Um Probably not to the extent that a lot of Met, a lot of Mets fans want them to be, which is what they were at two years ago. Um, and I understand the frustration, but at the same time, I think that this team can still compete enough, make a little noise, make a trade, and you know, 
see 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 what comes of it before really resetting and then attacking more the following offseason. Yeah, um Scott saying um following up with what we're talking about saying I get that but I'm almost 60 and sick of waiting till next year, which is fair. Oh, look, uh, I, I, understand. I understand. It's hard to preach that. patience. I'm that. a Mets fan and a Jets fan. It's hard to preach patience to us. But I think you right now where the Mets are you it's it's almost unfair to not be patient with a new owner and I still call him new a new owner finally getting the front office guy he wants finally crafting the team not in a let's throw money at this and try to win now with the likes of Buck Walter and you know and Justin Verlander and all these guys like it's let's build this thing and I will pay money out the ass to build it in terms of eating money to get prospects, whether those prospects pan out or not, you can trade them, you can do whatever. The one thing the Mets were not rich in was prospects. The Mets were rich in a couple things, money, obviously, and current position players. You know, the Mets have like them or not, a good core of players that includes Lindor, Alonzo, I'm going to put him in there even though he's not signed, Nimmo, and Alvarez. That is a good starting point and is better than most places, most teams. Um, but I understand at the same time that it's difficult for people, you know, uh, it's difficult for me to be patient too. I mean, I'm not almost 60, but the Mets have never really won in my lifetime. I mean, technically they won in 86 and I was alive, but I was real, real, my really lifetime. young. Yeah. Um, you know, Mets trucker saying there were 75 wins last year with 19 blown saves. Diaz alone puts you at 85. I'm sticking with that. It's a good point. It's a good point. It's a really good point. So, you know, I, I just think, um, you know, and, and Rosie saying, uh, John is right. We have to give Stearns time to build this team. He inherited a mess. He, he did. True. He did. You cannot True. forget. You know, this is what bothers me. And I don't want to turn this into a WFAN rant. But one of the people that everybody always champions at WFAN, and for good reason, he's knowledgeable and he's passionate. And that's Evan Roberts. Evan Roberts is a, is a Mets fan. He knows baseball. And he's certainly True. passionate. Yes. But I think he falls into the trap of being the old, oh, woe is me Mets fan. And, you know, when he's like, oh, I'm tired. He, he made a comment on the radio. This is weeks ago now. I'm tired of hearing about what Steve Cohen inherited. Well, I mean, it was only three years ago. So I think that that's within reason to talk about whether or not it's still relevant. He And he used the same example as like, it's the same thing when a new president comes in and they talk about what the president before them did. So the president before them didn't do anything that's relevant to what they're doing. Like when you start the job after you get sworn in in January, everything that happened up until that day goes away. We start with new policy. We right. start with new, like, so I'm not trying to make You're it political. Things. It's changing things, but no, like, I, I get the point. Yeah, You, I you have to yeah. change stuff. The Mets had no direction, no money, no advanced statistics, analytics department, no state of the art pitching lab. The Mets, Steve Cohen was starting from the Stone Age. Less than zero. Yeah. You want to say ground zero is baseline? Like he's starting here, flat surface. He was dug out in a trench trying to climb out and then build. And he threw a bunch of money on it. And you know what, guys? It almost fucking worked. But it didn't. 
And sometimes when you push all your chips in to the middle of the table, you lose. That's where we're at. That's it. It's no, yeah. it's no more complicated than that. I mean, no, it, it, it's really not. And I think we just, you got, I, I, I understand, like, I think it was Chris Ferraro who frequents our chat a lot, fan of the show, good guy. Talk with him at the QBC about the plan and how things go in general and me talking about the patience aspect. But, you know, I, I understand this and probably John as well. I speak from my standpoint as someone who I get to the stadium when I can. Look, it's expensive. It, t- it takes time, like two kids, wife, house responsibilities, like a lot going on. You try to get there when you can. But I understand that the, I understood a lot more after the conversation I had with him of the frustration, not only from him, but I can understand an older fan as well, like the ones that are in the chat right now, talking about patience and wanting it now instead of waiting. And then I hear from his where he says, look, I got a 20 game pass. I, I go to 20 games a year. I pay this money. I, I make this trek from Connecticut. I do all this stuff to get here to enjoy myself. I want like I want certain things. And I never thought of it from that standpoint. I really never did. So I understand. I get it. Where the point that where I'm coming from differs from other people and probably John's as well with what he's saying. It differs from what people, the view of the overall team. I get it, but at the same time, like I'm I'm also trying to explain where I think this is where it's at. I get that you're frustrated. I get that you want more. You should want more as a team, as a fan of a team, because you want to win. But that's just that's where I think that it's heading for the next year or two. That's why I think it is. Yeah, I, I agree. Look, um, this has been a fun episode. A lot of stuff, wall to wall. Todd Frazier in the first half. That feels like uh, days ago. Um, but you know, look, I, I kind of like this this format too. And you guys can let us know in the chat and. Um, also let us know, uh, you know, on Twitter and stuff, if you don't have a chance now, you know, when we sign off or whatever, you know, do you like having the guests for the whole time? Do you like not having the guests for the whole time? Just curious. It may influence what we do. It may not, you know, what we yeah. did with Frazier today was purely just based on, you know, schedule and what he had to give us. And so we said, Hey, you know what, we'll do our regular show and we'll do it with you, you know, at, at as much time as you can give with us. So, um, but I liked it then, you know, it might, be a little difficult when we're doing more of an interview style and talking more as retrospect about somebody's career than we are talking, you know, Todd is connected still. Todd has foul territory. Todd said what he said about, you know, maybe working at yes. And some other outlets, you know, Todd is prepared. Todd came to talk about the Mets currently other people that we have on may not. So, you know, it might change the dynamic of like, Hey, let's talk to this person about a retrospective of their career for 30 minutes and then flip and, you know, talk about where the Mets are going. So um, some people liked it. Um, you know, uh, Rosie saying, I like the split format. Carlos saying, I like the flow. Um, you know, so, you know, that's, that's, that's possible. Um, yeah, we'll so, see. you know, just, just, just a, just a thought. Um, uh, Mets trucker tone saying all about the guests and then talk about it. Uh, give a like and subscribe. Thank you. And go ahead and Thank subscribe you. to, uh, to Mets trucker podcast as well. Yes. While you're doing it. Um, Ibi, is there anything I forgot before we get out of here? Uh, no, oh, wait, hold on. This oh, is a good question. yeah, we got, why hasn't Stearns hired a GM? I just don't think there's a rush to do it. I think he needs a guy that he can really trust a person. I shouldn't say a guy. He needs someone he can really trust that he really <laughs> wants, that he wants to groom, um, towards the role. Uh, and I think that if that per- he was content going in with Epler, the Epler stuff happened. It was what it was. He resigned. And now I think there's not a rush. I think he had a lot to do this year and you know, who knows? 
he might hire one during spring training right before tomorrow. Usually there's not a lot of leaks when it comes to stuff like this. Somebody might get promoted internally. So I think it's all about putting Stearns's stamp and Stearns's guy. Stearns's person is not out there yet. And I think uh, it's, it's not that big of a deal. I think I he think, can handle it in the meantime. Yeah. I think the guy that he wanted or the guy that he's thinking about or person that he's thinking about is either not available yet, or it's just hasn't really hit with him just yet. And he was more focused on, like you said, putting his stamp on the organization, getting things set and proper so that he knows the person that he ends up picking fits right in. And, um, you know, he gives them the autonomy to do what their job is. And then they go about it because if there's anything we've heard about Stearns, it's that he empowers his staff to do things, you know, on their own willingly. And then he oversees because he wants to surround himself with very smart people and pick from those um, different types of brains, which is what a president of baseball operations should be doing. And um, other than that, and after all, a president of it's true. is just a fancy name for a GM with more it really is. and yeah. a bigger salary. Yes. President of baseball operations was a position created for people who were successful in their job that no longer had what? Upward mobility. So they created a position over GM so that somebody can be promoted and make more money. That's why it was done, which is fine, but... That's what it is. He can do it. He's fine. He'll be fine. And then eventually they'll figure it all out. I'm not too worried about it. The one thing I will say before we get out of here, 40 people here right now in the live. If you haven't already, make sure you hit the like on the video. If you haven't subscribed to the channel, please do so. We are at 661 subscribers. We are Ooh. climbing up. Our, yeah, we are, we're on our way. We're still trekking towards 700. Um, I have some ideas about trying to push those numbers even higher. I have aspirations to hit 1,000 and a rather, you know, Decent amount of time. I would like to hit it uh, at some point during the season. So hopefully we can get to that thousand. I am going to push hard for it, and John will as well. But 661, if you have not subscribed to the channel yet, we are here every single Wednesday, 530 usually, 515 if we have a guest and they want to, they want to fit it in, what have you. Uh, we have some guests planned up coming up. Excited about it. More ideas, workshopping some things. Four people here. If it's your first time here, thank you so much for being here. Hit the sub. Turn on notifications, have some fun with us. We talk Mets every Wednesday, and we always have a good time. Yeah, I think next week, um, I don't mind saying this, it's not 100% confirmed, but we have mentioned it before um, with the scheduling stuff. I will confirm with this person, but um, uh, looks like Wardy is going to be our guest. Tyler uh, is going to be joining us next week for the entire time, barring something unforeseen. So at 5.30, and I'm going to talk to him about potentially um, simulcasting. Uh, for a live with his show and a live with us. Um, so I think that that's what we're going to try to do. Uh, hopefully yeah, his schedule still allows it. He was supposed to be on with us this week, but of course the news with Brella last week, pushing back everybody, Frazier yeah. into this week, Wardy into next. So just have to confirm with him, make sure everything is copacetic and his style, his uh, schedule is all good to go. Um, but having said that, Ibby, this is the first episode of our show as a part of the Brella Sports Network. I am thrilled. Um, Thank John McConey has been so um, supportive of what we're doing yes, here. 100%. Um, it's only going to get better from here, guys. We're going to continue to do more fun stuff along the way, I promise. Um, the graphics have changed. The logo has changed. They may continue to evolve. The show has not changed. I know you guys are joking, nope. longer breaks, things like that. We may have yeah. some exciting news coming yes. up soon Working to talk about yeah. that are outside of the scope of the show regularly. But I promise you this, the show will not change 
change. Still going to be me. Still going to be Ibby. Still going to be talking our shit about the Mets. Still going to have the occasional great guest on where we talk to them, whether they're another content creator like Wardy or some of you amazing folks that have been on the show before, um, or uh, whether it's former players like Todd and uh, former managers like Terry Collins and things like that. So uh, hit the like button, subscribe to the channel. Um, <laughs> you got me. You said you were wondering what you were going to get. You got me. You got me. It only took 30 seconds after you said, I never see John smile. There I am, smiling. The podcast is famous uh, now. We are not worthy. No, you guys are. Um, no, we're not without you guys. We could not we need you guys. do it without you. Sincerely, yeah. we mean that every step of the way. Um, so uh, as we continue to grow, things might change looks-wise. Things might, you know, whatever theme songs and things might sound a little different, whatever the case may be. But it's the same damn show. Still Ibby, still John, still talking what we talk about. Mets every week, uh, 5.30 usually, um, doing what we do. So um, appreciate it. Subscribe, turn the notifications on, all that fun stuff. We will tweet out whether or not we will have Wardy next week. We'll let you guys know exactly how that stuff is working. And uh, honestly, for everybody who says this, um, you know, I know it's just a way of, of just signing off in the comments when people say great show, fellas, great show, and send hearts, and, and Carlos saying, you know, great stuff. Like, like I cannot stress, and maybe I'll, I'll let you say something about this too. I, I cannot stress enough, like, how, how much, like, how nice that is. You know, we started this show Absolutely. just two guys just – doing whatever but um <laughs> brian brewster i want to know who's dressed like a middle school bully i'll get back to that i'll probably do one of those joe devanzio is not here right now brian but uh, if you leave a message at the tone yeah we'll i'm sure they'll be back. on mott street soon enough um no but whenever people say that stuff i it means so much and i've said it multiple times this, this show started off with just me and john talking to each other and then putting a show out then we got the audio uh, and, and the visual at the same time. And then we started the YouTube and then we're talking here with at one point, two, three people. I know who you are. John knows who you are. You're still here. We appreciate you grows to five, 10, 15, 40. We topped out at a hundred one week. Like it doesn't go unnoticed. And the show really took off and became a lot more special once we started integrating the live chat and going live and things of that nature. So without you guys, we are nothing. And we mean that sincerely. So thank you so much for the nonstop support uh for now and into the future thank you yeah couldn't have said it better myself so i'm john that's ibby this is till mets do us part and of course this episode will drop as an audio podcast courtesy of brella sports we hope tomorrow it's not on them it's we'll not on us we're doing the best we can it might be yeah. the day after that um but Either i think way. starting next week Everything should kind of move like clockwork the way that you expect it. If you do want to listen to the show, if you came in late, if you had to leave early and you prefer to listen to it as you're walking, driving, going to the gym, all that stuff. Um, hopefully, the end of this week, we'll get the podcast up as we transfer from one podcast hosting platform to another. And then once that happens by next week, it should just be like regular rollout. Uh, we do the live version next morning or if not sooner the audio version comes out. So uh, thank you guys again, and we will see you all next week. But till Mets do us part, peace.